Welcome to About Faith with Alec Klein. I'm honored to be your host of this weekly half-hour program airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. Today, we're with Alex Voiles. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say Alex has been through a lot. Losses, drugs, hopelessness. How do we get there? How do we get to rock bottom? And what lifts us out? But I'm getting ahead of myself. Alex, please begin at the beginning of your story. Hi, guys. So my name is Alex, and the beginning of my story starts um, being born in Oklahoma to two parents who struggled with the the disease of alcoholism and addiction. And so growing up in that home, um, it was a very rough childhood, and I always felt like there was something wrong with me, and I didn't understand that it wasn't about me. Um, So I grew up feeling as though um, I wasn't important and how I felt didn't matter. And so that taught me to really stuff things down and not talk about them. As I got older, my mom's parents were able to adopt both myself and my two younger sisters, and life began to change. Well, hold hold on for a second, Alex. Now, why why would you have to be adopted at that point? What was going on that caused that? My parents' addiction had really taken off, and at that time, we were pulled out of my mother's arms by police. She was under the influence and um, had been running around in a car with us, driving very unsafe, and my family had called the police because they didn't know where we had been for over a week. That must have been scary for you. It was very scary. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, The police officer pulling me out of her arms and her, you know, saying things like, look into their eyes, they're evil. You know, it was a uh, very confusing place for a little girl to be in. Well, wait a minute, Alex, how old were you when this all happened? I was 12 years old when that happened. Wow. So what happened? So my grandparents were able to adopt us at that point. Of course, the process took a little longer than that. Um, And we were able to go stay with them. All three of us went to go live with them. And they lived down in McAllister, Oklahoma, which was a small town. And when we moved in with them, they they had all these rules and stuff and they would try at times to kind of talk to me about what had happened. And I was fearful. So I wouldn't talk about the things that had happened prior. Well, Alex, what do you mean by that? What had happened prior? Are you talking about the drugs or something else? Uh, The drugs and my father was very abusive in all forms, um, all throughout my childhood. And I, when I was 14, My mom passed away. Well, what happened? She, unknown causes, um, when they found her, her body had been in her apartment for a week. Um, My aunt actually went to go check on her, and on the death certificate it says unknown causes. So So to this day we don't know what happened? We have um, ideas that it was due to her diabetes, that she potentially went into a diabetic coma because she had been drinking um, and things like that, but we don't have a definite. So it's kind of yeah. one of those things that we just, for me, I've had to accept that it, 
I wondered for a long time, and I had to yeah. kind of just accept that she was gone, and, and that was the case. Mm, wow. Well, you did go through quite a bit just as a child. Yeah, yeah, it was a very eventful childhood, to say the least. Oh, I'll say. Well, where does, that, where does that take us then? So that takes me to, once again, feeling like my feelings didn't matter and not being able to talk about them, and I met my soon-to-be best friend, and that was alcohol. Um, and I was, it was three weeks after my mom had passed and I went to a party and before I like won the dare essay contest every year at school, because I swore that I would never do drugs and alcohol like my parents. Like I did not want to do that and hurt people and do the things that they had done. But when I had all this pain inside of me and I didn't know how to deal with it or what to do. I took my first drink, and I didn't hurt anymore. Alex, how old were you at the time? I was 14 years old. Wow. And what did the alcohol do to you? In that moment, um, I it made me forget. It made me forget all the bad things, all the pain, all of the hurt, all of the shame, all of the resentment, everything that I was feeling, because... Of course, little did I know this should have been a red flag for me. I I drank to oblivion the first time I ever drank. Um, I was in a blackout. I don't remember much after the first, you know, hour of the party. Um, But I woke up the next morning and I remember just, I just wanted to do that forever. I just wanted to not think or feel for the rest of my life. Wow. That's, that's something for a 14 year old to feel, isn't it? Yeah, it was. And I didn't. At the time, I didn't realize that what it was going to take me to next and how that was going to spiral. Well, tell, tell us, how did it uh, take you down this road? So after that, um, obviously, I'm 14 years old. I'm not going to the liquor store and buying alcohol. <laughs> um, but I, every opportunity that I got, I would drink and do other substances. I would smoke marijuana. Um, take Xanax. I would just do anything. And that was also looking back a very sad place for me. I didn't ask questions. If you had something that was going to make me feel different and make me feel better about my life, then I was going to do it. Um, And that continued throughout high school. And then at the age of 17, I got pregnant. And um, I, I stopped drinking and using drugs at that time. Um, I feel as though looking back, I hadn't crossed the line at that point. I still had a choice in the matter, and I was able to stop. Well, what do you mean by that, that you had a choice in the matter? Um, for me, I believe that I believe that this is a disease, and mm. I believe that there's a line that we cross um, with alcoholism. And that is, in the beginning, I was doing it because I wanted to do it. But yeah. later in my story, I got to a point where I was doing it because I had to do it. I see. I couldn't yeah. stop even if I wanted to. So you mentioned that you got pregnant at the age of 17. I, I'm assuming this was not planned, correct? No. <laughs> no, um, no, it was definitely not planned. Um, yeah. Alcohol makes you a little less um, likely to make responsible decisions. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting married when I was 18 to the, to the father of the child, and he was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. mm-hmm. And we got married because I am from Oklahoma, and that's kind of what you do when you get pregnant, you get married. Um, okay. 
<laughs> I don't suggest it. It's not the greatest idea. I suggest maybe not doing it that way. Um, yeah. And so for a little while, I was able, for a brief period of time, I was able to convince myself that I was okay. Um, and in the, all of this time, I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't trying to get help. I wasn't going to therapy to address my issues. I wasn't doing anything to get better. Were, I mean, were, yeah, were you getting better at all at that time? Or, I mean, were, were you just continuing down the road that you were on? I like to say that I was just barely surviving during that time. Okay, yeah. The, the joy of having a daughter was just enough to help me to get through to survive. Yeah. But it wasn't yeah. enough long term. What do you mean by that? What what happened? So I ended up getting a divorce, and when that happened, I turned right back to drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, my life spiraled very, very quickly out of control. I um, I started doing harder substances and other things as well, and I. What do you mean by that? What what kind of harder substances are we talking about? Um, I I was an IV user of crystal meth. Mm -hmm. And in that time, I ended up being homeless. My family cut me out of their lives. They weren't speaking to me. I was not seeing my daughter. Um, and things, things just got really bad really fast. Well, Alex, before you move on, how old were you when all of this happened, this part of your life? I was 19. Oh, wow. And also, you know, you mentioned that you uh, became homeless and... Uh, how does that happen? I mean, w what led you uh, down uh, to the point where you actually had nowhere to live? I mean, w what was that stage or that step? I would say in the beginning, it was because I didn't want to be around my family because I was using. Yeah. And they, you know, knew that. And then I would go from couch to couch and I would just burn my bridges. Because yeah. I was so selfish and self-absorbed, all I was thinking about was how to get the next one. And how were, right, right. But how were you even surviving financially, like to to get by for food? And I mean, how did you manage? I have some funny, not so funny stories about that. Um, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would go to fast food restaurants because the customer is always right and tell them they forgot food in my order the night before. Um, so they would have to give me free food. Um, I would do... <laughs> I would, um, there in front of Lowe's in the town that I'm from, they would have like the sheds that you would like buy to put in your backyard to put like your lawnmower and stuff in. Right, I would right. sleep in those um, wow. and things like that. So it was very sporadic, many random things. Um, yeah. Nights where I would, you know, sleep in the trees and in the woods and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't yeah. surviving is the sad part. I yeah. thought that I was, but I really wasn't. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really um, sad to be honest. You know that you were going through that. So, so what happened then at that point? That you're homeless, you're delving deeper into harder drugs. Where did that lead you? I continued in a, a downward spiral and um, started to um, started stealing, started you know stealing from stores and people and just doing things that weren't myself. And yeah. eventually. Um, I got to the point where I tried to kill myself and well, hold on for a sec. If you don't mind my asking, what, what, what did you do? I had a bottle of SSRIs that I was prescribed for antidepressants from a while ago. <laughs> and I took the whole bottle. Oh my goodness. How, how many, 
pills are we talking about here? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, tell yeah. you. <laughs> I not tell you. Well, and, and if I might, Alex, why did you feel at that point that this was the way to go? I mean, what what was going through your mind that you reached that point that you wanted to just end it? I had reached the point and come to believe that there was no way out, that mm. that, that was going to be the rest of my life. Um, yeah. And I, and I felt so alone and so broken and so hopeless. And like, I, I believed for so long that that was going to be the rest of my life. And I did not want to live a life like that. That's, um, that's despair, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's a dark place to be, isn't it? It was the darkest place, darkest place I've ever been in my life. You know, I felt I yeah. felt like a failure to my family and to my daughter and just to everyone around me. I felt like I had done things that were unforgivable. Well, what do you mean? What had you done that was so unforgivable? I mean, I, I mean, my daughter was at my grandparents and I wouldn't go see her. I wouldn't go to see my family. Like I just had completely mm. cut them out. You know, yeah. we yeah. we weren't on speaking terms. Um, you know, they had decided that. Tough love was the best action, and today I can say that it absolutely was. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if they hadn't shown tough love and cut me off. Um, but at the time, I didn't feel the same. I felt like yeah. I was being abandoned all over again, just like with my parents. Well, what you're describing is a scourge of addiction, it sounds like. I mean, you were it had you in its grip, it sounds like. Absolutely. I, had, I didn't choose to hurt my family. I didn't choose yeah. to do the things that I did. Um, right. And Alex, how old were you when, when this moment arrived, when you thought that there was no way out? How old were you? I was just a little over 20 when that happened. Oh, gosh. So you took the pills and obviously it didn't take, right? Right, so what, right. What, what, I mean, what happened? I mean, did you kind of realize that uh, this, this wasn't going to be the end? Or what, what, what was the outcome? Not yet. <laughs> so I um, so I I woke up in the hospital strapped to a bed um, oh, and wow. had my first legal issues. I like I did something. I assaulted a police officer um, and things of that nature. I don't remember, but I. Oh, hold on for a second here. So, so you're you're saying the same night that you tried to kill yourself, you also assaulted a police officer? Yes, I assaulted oh, a police officer. Um, but you have no recollection of this. No, I guess my family did show up to the hospital and yeah. they told me that I tried to like use the bathroom in the middle of the waiting room or something. I don't know. I have no yeah. idea what happened. Yeah. Um, but I came to the next day and they, they let me out of the hospital. Um, and a week later I went back because I was blacking out and it mm. turns out I had had a concussion. So they, um, life lighted me up to Tulsa, which is a bigger city where there's like, I guess, like better doctors and medical care. Yeah. And when I got there, they told me I was going to be okay. It was just a little like brain swelling or something. Oh my goodness. That sounds pretty serious to me. Brain swelling. They said, they said it was a little bruising and swelling and they said that I was going to be fine. And they just like discharged me. I was like, okay. So well, goodness gracious. Well, Alex, just to back up for a quick sec. So once you realized that you had not succeeded in committing suicide what was your thought process what was going through your mind about that you would have thought that i 
felt that God wanted me to be alive, but instead right. I felt that God had betrayed me. Wait, how is that? How do we figure that? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I wanted, I didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to be here anymore. And I begged, I begged God to take me from this world. And he yeah, didn't well, do that. Well, evidently he had a different opinion about this. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. We often have different opinions, but I'm much yeah. more open-minded these days. So. <laughs> well, okay. So you ended up back in the hospital. They tell you, you have this, uh, slight uh, brain swelling, which sounds kind of uh, significant to me, but where does that take us then? So I get discharged and I go into the waiting room and I'm trying to dial long distance out on this phone and I'm unable to because I don't have a cell phone because I don't have a and home. And who are we calling? Um, my This lovely guy that um, I thought was my soulmate. But he couldn't come get me because he didn't have any money and he was too busy using. Okay. So, um, and that was also a very unhealthy relationship as well. There was abuse and many things that happened in that time um, that weren't okay either. Yeah. So I met a lady there who, um, who prayed with me. At the hospital. Oddly enough, at the hospital. And she, she <laughs> actually had her son give me a ride home while her husband was in the hospital for cardiac issues. And she bought me food. Um, wow. And that lady actually is a huge part in my story and how I am, who I am today. A good Samaritan, it sounds like. Yes, and definitely uh, she loves God with all of her heart, um, for wow. sure. So tell us about all this. So I ended up going back home. And it took a little while. I continued to use and put myself in unsafe, you know, situations and made lots of questionable, definitely bad decisions. And uh, about what? About life. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just in general, I was just, yeah. you know, I was walking in between towns with a duffel bag, you know, and I okay. looked absolutely terrible. Um, yeah. It was just, just every decision I made was not good for a long time. Yeah. So I ended up, um, I like to steal cars when I was using, um, it was easy money to me. Well, hold on. You make that sound easy though. I mean, is it easy to steal a car? I don't know. We probably shouldn't. I don't want to like incriminate myself or anything on here. Um, all right, we'll, we'll leave that alone for the moment. Just leave that alone. Like that, okay. so, um, so I did that and drove back up to Tulsa because that lady had lived there. And um, I just wanted to get away from the situation and back down in McAllister. So I left that car at a hotel and walked over to another hotel and called her and told her that I had hitchhiked and I needed help. Yeah. So they, um, they took me into their home. They, wow. She said, hold on, we have to pray about it. Um, and her and her husband allowed me to come into their home. Wonderful. And we ate dinner together. We went to church. It was really great. And by the way, Alex, this is somebody you barely know, right? Right. Like, I, yes, I barely know this lady. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I've never met her husband. She has, like, her other kids living in the house. Like, I barely know this lady. Um, okay. Yes. But I knew but amazing. Yeah. that she was so, like, a good person. And I knew yeah. that, you know, I was hopeful anyways that she would help me. Yeah. So I went there, and it was really good, but I didn't – I just went through the motions of what they were doing. 
right? Like I didn't seek this intimate relationship with God yeah. and I ended up using again mm. and they brought me, they brought me my bags and a list of phone numbers um, to the hotel where I was staying with someone I was using with and mm-hmm. told me that they loved me and I could come back if I went and got help. Wow. So a few, a few weeks later, of course, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. hard headed and have to learn things <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> well, these things don't happen overnight. <laughs> right. A few yeah. weeks later, I ended up calling one of those phone numbers on that list. And that's really when my life began to change. Well, what was this phone number? <laughs> oh, it was for a treatment center. It okay. Was for a treatment right. center. Yeah. And um, I got on a plane and came down to Florida. I had never been to Florida before or on a plane before. Um, well, hold on here. How did you even afford the flight? <laughs> so I had insurance. Okay. I had insurance. I had health insurance <laughs> through my grandparents. And wow. I tell you right now, we joke about it. And I'm like, if they could have taken me off their insurance, they probably would have, <laughs> but they couldn't. So. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yes, I'm super grateful for that. Um, super grateful. So, so so you fly down to Florida, and what happens? I, um, you know, I go through the whole process um, of treatment and therapy and different things like that, and that's a very long process for me. I was in treatment from March to November, um, okay. just working on things and finally opening up and talking about these things that I hadn't talked about Yeah. and these, you know, these scars that needed to, to heal still. The, the, pain, the pain and the suffering that you went through. Right, and I... And these people made me feel like I wasn't alone. And that mm-hmm. was really big for me. Um, they made yeah. me feel comfortable in sharing the things that I was sharing. Um, yeah. And that was really huge for me. So through a series of surrenders, you know, I surrendered to this treatment center to come and admit into the program. I surrendered to my therapist there to listen to what she had to say. And yeah. through those surrenders, I eventually surrendered to God. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a big one. So h- how did that happen, the surrender to God? Please tell, tell us about that. My biggest thing with God was that I thought I had done too much wrong, mm. right? I thought that I was, or I'm from the Bible Belt. I was taught that, like, Jesus is always in the room, right? Yeah. And that petrified well, he is. me. <laughs> right. Like, that petrified me. That petrified yeah. me. Because I'm like, he has seen me do so many really bad things. <laughs> this childlike fear that I had for so long that I thought that I thought I had done too much wrong for God to Mm. still love me. And so one of the biggest things that I learned that it was able to build this relationship with God was that God has already forgiven me. And when I, and the person I wasn't forgiving myself. And when I do that, I'm telling God his forgiveness isn't enough. Uh, And I needed to know that. Well, you know, Alex, how did you forgive yourself? You just mentioned that. I mean, how were you able to forgive yourself? For me, <laughs> for me, for me, I, what helped me to forgive myself was to understand that everything is exactly how it's supposed to be in this moment. You and I yeah. talking, you and I having this experience right now, us meeting, yeah. all of these things. And so, I was able to forgive myself knowing that everything that had happened was how God had planned it to be so that I could get to this point and come out on the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I hadn't experienced all of those things, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Well, that's, that's a great insight, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Was it hard? For, was it hard for you to get to that point? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think that the biggest thing I struggled with forgiving myself for was um, not being the mother that I had always wanted to be to my daughter, Gracie. Yeah. And I had written a letter to my mom, um, a forgiveness letter to my mom. And in that letter, I realized that um, my mom loved me just like I loved my daughter. And I had done the same thing to my daughter that my mom had done to me. And that helped yeah. me to understand the full picture of things. And yeah. that really helped me to understand, like, why God had all of these things happen how they did. Well, Alex, you know, we're, we're beginning to run out of time here, but you mentioned your daughter. So what happened with that relationship? I know that you had kind of uh, fallen away from it, but uh, where did things go with your, with your daughter? Um, I still have not seen or talked to my daughter the entirety of the time that I have changed my life. Um, yeah. She lives with her father and stepmom. Um, I reach out to them on a consistent basis, and I also keep journals. I write her letters on a pretty regular basis. So she gets your letters? No. No. Ooh, they're... What do you mean? Um, there I have them. I don't have an address to where they live. You don't know where they are? Right. I just know they're <laughs> in Oklahoma. And they won't tell you? Exactly. Um, they don't respond to me anymore. Well, how how long has it been since your recovery? It's been almost six years. So what's holding back the possibility of being reunited with your daughter? Honestly, one of the one of the key components in that is I don't I don't ever want to cause more harm and she mm -hmm. has a brother and a sister in a life. My belief is that God has this perfect plan and this time and this moment. And I've seen it in my meditations. I have seen my daughter run to me and hold me and hug me um, when I'm spending time with God. So I believe that like that time will come and that I just have to be a trusted servant of God and trust in his plan and not my own. That's uh, remarkable that you've uh, come to that. How old is your daughter now? She will be nine in March. Nine in March. And if you had a chance to talk to her, what would you say? I would just tell her that I loved her and that I've never stopped loving her. I've never stopped thinking about her. It's a really hard question. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, and that I'm sorry that I was sick and that I made some poor choices. Um, yeah. And that, you know, hopefully I would never hurt her again you know, in those ways. And that, that is my goal, ultimately, is just to be a mom that she can be proud of, yeah. someone that she trusts and that shows up for her in her life. Um, so. Does she, does she know that you're out there? I don't think so. Um, her stepmom told me that she told her that she was her mom, um, that she mm -hmm. came from her belly, like her brother and sister. So I don't think she has any idea, which is another part of my you know, dilemma and, and struggle and what to do and when to do it, how to do it. So she may not even know that you exist. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other question I guess I have, and again, unfortunately we're running out of time here is where, where are you now as far as your life and what you're up to and after all that you've been through, 
What's going on with you now? Um, I have a life that is unrecognizable to my life before. <laughs> um, completely different. And I, you know, I love, I love that. I'm not even anywhere near the person that I was before. Um, so today I am a case manager at a mental health and substance abuse um, treatment center. I finally enrolled in college and stopped letting fear stop me. So I'm in college. Wonderful. What are you studying? I'm getting my prereqs to become a physician's assistant. Wonderful. And um, I got engaged this year to an absolutely wonderful man who um, who doesn't do any of the things my essay did. So <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> on finding that special person. That's wonderful. Right, and we and we seek God together, which is huge for me, um, and I value that very much in our relationship. Well, Alex, unfortunately, we're out of time, and I, I could uh, talk with you for hours about this because your story is so uh, epic. And um, But I want to thank you uh, for sharing your story that there, at least in my mind, that there's purpose in the pain. Uh, and so thank you, Alex, uh, so much for, for sharing this uh, incredible story. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to About Faith with Alec Klein. Please stay tuned for our next episode airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. I'd love to hear from listeners. Please reach out to me through my website, alekklein.net. That's A-L-E-C-K-L-E-I-N dot net. Until next time, have a great week.